with us, but really grab hold of everything that we're saying. So I encourage everybody to go back and listen to at least the, the last two messages. And I know they're a little harsh, you know. We, we're talking about and we're using biblical terminology that most people don't even know are in the Bible when you use the word like harlot and, you know, your father being a liar. And, and I mean, the Bible even talks about people who get birth but don't get fathered and matured. Paul, the Apostle Paul called them bastards. They're birthed but they're not fathered. But, so this morning, these are, these are some word terminology that maybe you're not going to understand. Also, there are six foundational principles in the Bible. Hebrews chapter 6 tells us that you can't go on into perfection or maturity or become the result of what Yahweh requires without having these six foundations laid in your life. This Hebrews chapter 6, it says there's six of them. It's repentance from dead works, faith toward God, doctrine of baptisms, laying on of hands, resurrection from the dead, and eternal judgments. And so there's been a lot of, of misunderstanding over the years of resurrection from the dead and eternal judgments, according to the scripture. So today I'm going to be referring to something, and I thought it would be interesting, which I, I you know, I don't normally do this. I don't normally uh, talk about politics and world events and all that. You know, we don't necessarily have to have a Mother's Day message on Mother's Day. We don't have to have a, you know, a, we don't have to be bound by that calendar. We want to hear what the word of the Lord is to us for that time. So what I thought I would do, seeing that what's happening in Iran, I'm going to talk about that just a little bit because most people don't understand that the gospel that the Lord himself preached, never once did he preach and promise that we could go to heaven. He, it was called the gospel of the kingdom. He said that the gospel of the kingdom, in the gospel of the kingdom, that the, the, he would set up his kingdom here, that he would come and establish his kingdom. Now, we talked about that, and we got loads of teaching on it. And we, we've learned that there is a word in the Bible. I, I, it is interesting to me. I'm glad Christmas is over. I hope you can appreciate that. And it's always interesting to me that, that people sing the, the Christmas carol, Joy to the World, and it's really not even a Christmas carol. It's a, it is a song about the return of Yahshua when he comes to the earth and sets up his kingdom. Now, way in a manger, that's a Christmas carol. But we have this, this belief system that has been, well, the Bible calls it, and what I've been teaching you, the Bible calls it in the book of Revelation, Mystery Babylon. And we've learned historically not just in the Bible, but history proves that there were tares spread among the wheat until they gained an ascendancy. And then the philosophies and the doctrines of men began to propagate the very scriptural truths that were taught by the apostles, the prophets, and the Lord himself. The very scriptures have been perverted. And so what happened, I mean, I had somebody say, well, how could that happen? I said, have you, have you ever noticed that in a little over 200 years, people are already trying to pervert our Constitution? Well, that, well, well the, you know, the Second Amendment don't really mean that. Well, the same thing. When men get their hands on something, especially history has taught us that man cannot govern himself. He will implode every time. 
So the, these philosophies come, and one of the first ones that we learned about is that the first lie told in the Bible, which the Bible calls the father of lies, and if it would be in the garden when the serpent spoke to man and he told him a lie. God says this, watch, thou shalt not surely die. Then we see the serpent comes and says, I mean, he, uh, the Bible said, God said, you shall surely die. But the serpent comes along and says, thou shalt not surely die. And so the whole belief system based on the immortality of the soul was something that came from platonic doctrines and teachings that infiltrated the church when in the book of Revelation, the seven churches, when the church at Smyrna, which means myrrh, it was under heavy persecution. Myrrh is something that you have to crush to get the essence out of. And so what happened with the church at Myrrh, they were under such persecution that they joined and mingled themselves with paganism. The word for the next church was Pergamos. The word literally means elevation through marriage. So we see that the scriptures, the Lord himself, Paul, all through the scriptures, he said there's going to come a time of a falling away. And he talks about the man of sin, the son of perdition that comes. So we see historically through the book of Revelation, through the book of Daniel, foretold but also now fulfilled. And we are the products of what I believe is the greatest crime in history. And that is the hijacking of the gospel that Yeshua himself taught. So this morning I want to talk about the fact that Yeshua is coming back. This is what we learn when we understand those six foundational principles. The one, number five, the resurrection from the dead and eternal judgments, number six. Your Bible teaches us that the Yahshua is going to return and he was going to raise the dead and he's going to give eternal life to all who have lived in accordance to his teaching through obedience, 1 Peter 4, 17. This is what he said in Revelation twenty two twelve. 12. Behold, I come quickly. And my reward is with me to give to every man according to his work shall be. So he did not teach, and he does not teach. And I know this is strange for new people. You know, I, I invited my guests here today, and you know, I know this is kind of be a little strange for them. Bob knows me and, and I talk. And there's other people that listen to us. And what I always like for them to do is please go back and look at the Bible teachings that we have about what happens when a man dies, how this start first came in. And, and I've, I have studied things because I used to believe the other way. They said, well, what about absent from the body, present with the Lord? Please go to my website and, and listen to that one. What about the thief on the cross? What about Enoch? What about Elijah? What about the, the Lazarus and the rich man? I said, man, I'm telling you, I understand those thoughts. But the Bible nowhere, to my surprise, teaches that Anybody goes to heaven. Matter of fact, John 3, 13 says, No man has been to heaven except one. And that was Yahshua. Right next to John 3, 16. He didn't teach that. But what he did teach is that he's going to come and he's going to judge. You can't go to heaven or hell if that was the reward until you've been judged. Judgment will not come. Scores of scriptures through the apostle Paul say that until Yahshua returns, then he's going to judge what the Bible in the King James calls the quick and the dead. 
So he's going to bring his reward. What is the reward? The reward is immortality. The reward is eternal life. John 3.16 gives us a small clue. But because we've been so, uh, I I believe, tainted is a good word. I believe we've been so deceived that we don't really see the the simplicity of a scripture like John 3.16. He gives us two options. He says you can either have eternal life or you can perish. How in the world, if the reward that Yahshua is bringing with him is to live forever, how can a person who dies, who is going to go to hell, live in hell forever? Because the reward is immortality. The opposite and the other option is the Bible says perish. The word means to be totally destroyed. So you have two options. Yahshua's coming, not to take people to heaven, but to establish his kingdom upon the earth. We're going to talk about it a little bit this morning. Nowhere does it say he's going to have eternal dwelling place in a burning hell. And I, I, love, I love when people sit down and we, we are able to discuss this. But the Bible does teach, though, in Matthew chapter 5, he says that our inheritance for the meek, the teachable is what the word meek means, is we're going to inherit the earth. Now, where did that come from? Not just out of Matthew 5, just not from Yeshua, but the gospel that was preached from the very beginning in the book of Genesis. I'm going to talk about that briefly this morning. This is what we must understand. Yahshua was a man who received a well done. He received an immortal body that's made of flesh and bone, not flesh and blood. Because it's the Spirit of God that gives life to that new body is what the Bible says. He is called King. And he's going to return to the earth and set up not some some spooky, unseen kingdom. He is literally going to return to the earth. And he is going to then judge those people who are Christians. And the Bible says he will either give you a well done and give them eternal life. Or he will give them a depart from me, you worker of iniquity. And give them eternal death. The wages of sin is death. I'm sure if God would have told Adam in the garden. That not only are you just going to die. Surely die. But you're going to really be more alive than you are now. And burn in hell forever. I'm sure he would have looked at whatever tempted him a little differently. Don't you think so? He's going to come. And establish his kingdom. And. But before he does, he's going to reward those. He's going to gather them. The Bible says that literally we will be gathered on the earth in the place that I believe where the law was given. My son, y'all know he's been everywhere. He's been all over. I said, I will go. I will travel to you one place. And that one place is what I showed you pictures of. The real Mount Sinai, the real Mount of Moses. You go to Saudi Arabia, they have a tourist one, but there is a real Mount Sinai. And it's in the Arabian desert, Saudi Arabian desert. And the top of it is smolten, melted black. There is a 60-foot rock that you can tell that goes up like this and it's split in the middle. And you can tell where water used to have, has eroded. 
There is an altar there, and the brick still exists with the engraving of a bull, which was the, the worship of the, bro, the brazen calf, the golden calf. I said, you get me behind that fence, that barbed wire fence, I'm in. Right now, I'll just look at the pictures. I believe, this is my personal belief, according to things that the Bible has given us a clue, that when Yahshua returns, we're going to be gathered there at that place. It was the place the law was given, and I believe it's the place judgment's going to be given. And what he's going to do, then the Bible says, all of those who get are well done will get and receive an immortal body, flesh and bone, not a ghost, just like his. Touch me. I'm not a ghost, he said. And the Bible says that we will march across the plains of Teman into Jerusalem through the eastern gate, which the Muslims have blocked up. You're not going to keep Yeshua out by bricking up the gate. I promise you. And he will go there and set up his kingdom. Now I want you to hear what I'm saying. The Bible says, though, that not everybody who dies is going to be raised from the dead. Now this is back before Yeshua returns. There are people in the graves right now. The Bible says, here's just one scripture, and i got tons of them. The Bible says that the man who understandeth not is like the beast that perish. So people who don't understand, who don't know, who have not heard the gospel, they're not going to be raised up or sent to burn in hell forever. I'm going to tell you, Hitler wouldn't do that to somebody. Our God of love is not going to send somebody to burn in hell forever and ever. Please don't tell me he's a God of love and then tell me that that's what he does just because somebody didn't hear. Don't make sense. It did because I was raised in it as I was told all my life. In Isaiah 26, Psalm 88, says God remembers them no more. Ephesians 2 even says this, they having no hope and with God, without God in the world. The hope and the only hope of ever living again is through and by the resurrection. That's why it was such a big deal. So the resurrection from the dead, that's where you, is the gateway to hopefully getting a well done from Yahshua when he comes with his reward and then get the gift of immortality. On the other hand, a person who understands the truth, who believes it, who obeys it, is going to be resurrected. But those people who don't know, I want to tell you, I personally, I have friends who are really big in missions, you know. And listen, I love helping people. You all know that. But I, I think you're hurting people sometimes by going and telling them and preaching them a gospel because then they're going to have to suffer the fact of being resurrected and judged and thrown into the lake of fire. And if you'll finish reading that scripture that talks about the lake of fire, it says the second death. It's metaphoric. Book of Revelation, there are no horses that blow, blow fire and brimstone out of their nose. It's a metaphor. There's no big old heavyset lady got her feet on the moon. It's metaphoric. He's saying, look, the lake of fire is a metaphor for the second death. Those that don't get the well done, the Bible says, receive the second death. The Bible teaches in Romans chapter 2, verses 5 through 12. He's going to render to every man according to his deeds, to them who by patient continuance 
in well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality or eternal life. See, we, are, we do not have it. We were not born with it. That's the first litmus test of Mystery Babylon or what the Bible calls the whore. That teach, believe, that the, what the serpent lied about said, oh, you're not going to really die. So we have this, this divine spark in us is really anti-scriptural, anti-what the Bible says. It is literally Mystery Babylon. And he said, look, we are, we're seeking for that immortality. We're seeking for that honor and that glory. The resurrection will take place, the Bible says, like a thief in the night. It, nobody's going to really know it. Together with living believers, how that's all going to happen, I, I, I'll be honest with you, the Bible doesn't give specifics. But everybody's not going to get a well done. That's what we are preparing for. I believe that the modern gospel does this. It gets people saved, and they say, you're in, no problem. And it robs them of the very thing that the Bible says we have to do to qualify to get that well done. We're kind of like on probation now. The blood of Christ forgave us and washed away all of our sins, but it was past sins. We become a new creation in Christ. But the Bible says, the Bible says that we get our names written down in the book of life. But the book of Revelation tells us this, make sure you don't get it blotted out. So he's preparing and looking for men and women to fulfill the very good news, and that's this. I'm going to give you immortality. You're going to inherit the earth as my kingdom, and you're going to rule and reign as kings and priests on the earth. Those three things. That is the gospel taught by the Bible. Now watch this. When I was... My denomination, I found out that what I was taught in Bible college and all that didn't align with what I found out the Bible taught. And I'm going to tell you this, you're not going to be able to do a uh, one chapter a day Bible reading in the Bible and figure it out. You understand? It's like playing the piano from chopsticks to being a concert pianist. But I'm going to tell you that Yahshua is going to return... And he's going to return into the political arena where there will be mortal people living here. That's who we're going to rule and reign over. That's who he's going to be king of. He's going to, he's going to intervene in the affairs of all the nations. Verse 3 says, then, they sh then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations. And i got to throw this in here today. And that's the fact that the King James translators hid from us God's name. And instead of putting God's name, Yahweh, on there, over 7,000 times it's in the Old Testament. And most people I meet don't even know that's his name. Even though he said, Yahweh is my name. This is his covenant name. This is what I want you to call me by. And it's because of what it means and, the, and what you have to do and how we are to invoke that name. I was telling somebody recently, I said, look, man, they put the Lord. Y'all know I've taught you. It's amazing. I said, I'll tell you what you do. Start reading your Bible. And every time it says the Lord on there, put Yahweh in there. Then it's going to personalize it. This is, what, this is what they say. He says, the Lord is my name. I'm going to tell you, the, that ain't his name. Hey, the Lord. I don't know anybody named their kid the Lord Jones or Smith. The Lord Tukey. 
Well, I have called you that sometimes out there on the golf course. You know, the Lord. That's not his name. His name is very important because you have to do things in his name. You have to be baptized in his name. You have to do all that. And nobody knows his name. So I said, just start reading that. I said, you know what it would be like? Now, here's a whole book about the uncreated one. The one who spoke into being everything. And they write a whole book about him. Take thousands of years to do it. And they don't even put his name in it. Does that just make you go crazy like it does me? It'd be like writing my autobiography or one of Abraham Lincoln. I'm going to write a bi autobiography. No, I believe a biography of Abraham Lincoln, but never call him that guy. Once you start using that name and you see how it fits in with what you're required to do, then it changes all these things. The Bible says that in Isaiah 42, the Lord says, Yahweh shall go forth as a mighty man. He shall stir up jealousy like a man of war. He shall cry, yea, roar. He shall prevail against his enemies. He goes on and talks about how Yahshua, that means Yahweh saves. He's going to stand on the Mount of Olives, uh, Mount of Olives and there's going to be this awful cataclysmic upheaval of nature that's going to take place. Uh, it talks about a terrible earth shake. I've taught you what the Bible says about who is Gog and Magog. Gog and Magog is Russia, some of their confederates, maybe Turkey, but definitely Iran. Back before I was born, they used to refer to Tehran as Little Moscow. There's deep alignments there. Confederated forces of Gog and Magog, probably China. It was just interesting to me that I just saw Russia, China, and Iran have naval exercises just two weeks ago. The Bible says, and this is why I tell people, I say, what are we going to do about Iran? What? Look, let me tell you what the Bible says. I do not get fretted, fretted about that or frightened about that. I'm going to tell you why. The Bible tells me that the forces of Gog and Magog are going to turn their weapons upon one another. This is Ezekiel 38. And we who will be with Christ, because now we've, we've got resurrected. He gave us our well done. In other words, he filled out the application and he hired us, so to speak, to help him rule the earth. Just sing joy to the world to yourself when you get home. It tells the story. It'll be a moment of victory because Zechariah says all his saints are going to be with him when he marches in Jerusalem. Daniel the prophet predicted the intervention of Yahshua at that time. He said the king of the north will come to his end and none shall help him. That is, guess what? He ain't going to get no help. The prophecies, prophecies of the scripture show that Gog and Magog, when they attack Israel, we have already returned, he's already turned, raised the dead, and judged us. We now have our mortality. We're going to walk through the plains of Teman. And I'm thinking that because everybody's looking for Jesus to come, and he could be blonde-headed and blue-eyed or whatever, and floating around in a white dress or whatever, let me, let me tell you, they may not want to accept Yahshua. Because he might just look like an Arab, which he is. You hear me? He, he's not fair-haired. I told somebody the other night. Never mind. We return. We're with him. We've been granted eternal life. Now we're going to be with him at this moment of triumph. That's when by the that by the control of elements. Yahshua ain't going to need no tanks. 
He's not going to need any hand grenades or, or uh, drones. The very elements will destroy the enemies of God. God's almighty power will act. And those nations, and this is what people sometimes misjudge me about, thinking I'm a Messianic Jew. No, I'm a Christian that believes the Bible now. Joshua was a Jew. He wasn't a Christian. We're a Christian came out of Antioch. Actually, it was a racial slur, kind of. A true Israelite, because it was to the Israelites and through the true Israelites that salvation was granted to us. You know why? Because Yahweh is a divorcee. Did you know that? Yahweh divorced Israel and then offered it to us. And the Bible says really to make Israel jealous. Somebody said, man, I've been divorced. What do I do? Hey, Yahweh was divorced too. I'm not condoning divorce. Y'all know I don't believe in that. But, but the fact is, some people just are. Aren't you glad that we can just start where we are right now? Huh? Man, that makes me happy. You know, and I pray that Yahweh, y'all, any hurts today that people have gone through, that kind of stuff, I pray Yahweh just heals you of that. And you get your focus on pleasing Him now. Gog and Magog is going to be overthrown and defeated. This is what most people call the Battle of Armageddon. And I don't like using the term because everybody has a mental picture of uh, some movie. And that happens. And Yahshua sets himself up on the rebuilt throne and temple in Jerusalem. It's going to be a man who has gotten immortality. It's not going to be a ghost. It's going to be a human who was the Bible calls the first of the new creation. And we have been invited in to be part of that new creation. Genesis chapter 1 was the old creation. And guess what? The old man and, and John chapter 1 is about the new creation and the new man that we've been invited to. Son of Adam. The Bible calls the first Adam. Born into the family of the last Adam. That's who we are. And then he's going to put Israel, not Jews, but the true Israel. Back to it, restore it back to its former glory and, and establish the kingdom of God upon the earth. Yeshua, and hopefully with me and with you, are going to reign on the earth. I like Daniel chapter 7 because the Bible calls it a new heaven and a new earth. I'm going to tell you, there's not going to be, he's not going to like, okay, I want to destroy this one and build a new one. It's going to be a new earth. And the new earth is going to finally be delivered from the wickedness and the, and the sin-sick society and soul-destroying issues that plague the world today. Daniel 7, 27, it says, And the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven shall be given, watch this, to the people of the saints of the Most High, whose kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and all dominions shall serve and obey him. Look, Yeshua ain't a sissy. Somebody said, man, my boy Trump, man, he ain't scared to do nothing. I said, you wait till Yeshua gets here. The Bible said he's going to come with a rod of iron and beat it into dust. How do we know? Here's a song, Revelation chapter 5, verse 10. It says, this is the song that us who have been redeemed by his blood, God, our well done. He said, thou was slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred, tongue, and people, and nation, and had made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. Christ's reign on the earth is going to introduce all these sweeping reforms and wickedness 
and disgrace in today's society and world governments. And I'm going to tell you, he's probably going to start in America. He ain't just going to drain the swamp. He's going to fill it in. Drug traffic, human traffic, violence, will outlaw war. Psalm 72 tells us the strong, infallible hands of God's only begotten Son and His immortalized followers are going to take control and they're going to do it all under a name, name Yahweh. All misrule, all oppression is going to be put down. Every false doctrine, every contrary, contrary political philosophy is going to be swept aside and all the earth will be united in truth. Those people who survived the Holocaust of Armageddon and all its aftermath, Yeshua, along with us, are going to brighten and enlighten those people and then teach them the ways. We're going to teach them foundational principles. Well, I don't know. Well, you may not get your well done then. We're going to be training people. Somebody tell me, Johnny, man, that sounds like a fairy tale. <laughs> and you think you're going to die and go to heaven? Come on, man. I mean, you want to look, if you want to compare fairy tales, I'll compare fairy tales with you. Oh, you're going to go to... You're going to go burn up forever, but you ain't really dead, but you really. And then when Yahshua comes to judge you, he, you're going to get a break out of hell burning. He's going to come up there and say, oh, you're guilty and send you right back. Come on. Don't talk about fairy tales to me. Man, he's going to establish a perfect administration, administration. And then we'll understand the words of the angels when he was born. It says, glory to God in the highest on earth, peace and goodwill towards men. He wasn't talking about that baby born. It was talking about a returning king of glory. Peace on earth. Goodwill towards men. In view of that divine purpose, Yahshua recommended us to pray this way. Thy, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Help us to hurry get to heaven. Amen. I didn't what he said. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. These are the glorious facts of God's divine purpose that's outlined in the Bible. And i got to tell you, I've had people question me, and I love for them to sit down. Men with doctorates in theology, men with large churches. It's really, I tell them, your church is so big, you don't have time to study the Bible. You're running your business here. Friends of mine, professors in schools of theology, please, I tell them, please show me I'm wrong. Because I'm fixing to start preaching this and could lose everything I have ever thought I earned. Lose my home, I could lose everything. And i got to tell you, not one can deny the truth of the scriptures that we show them. I'm not proud of that, that I get anxious because I want people to hear this truth. I'm announcing to all truth lovers, all Bible-loving people, to open their eyes to the great difference that exists between the truth of the Bible and today's prevailing theology. I know I'm just a little guy. I know I'm just nobody. I mean, we're in the city of Oak. I do know that only a few, the Bible says there'll only be a few. At least Noah didn't preach in vain. At least he got saved in his family. I'd be good with that. But I'm pressed toward about others. The Gentile times, guys, have run its course. We're at the end of the Gentile age. That little time of grace that Yahweh said, okay, I'm going to give you an opportunity here. It's coming to a close. The door is only ajar, and it's, and it's fixing to close totally, and Yahshua's return is near. Now, near is relevant. But I'll tell you what, time went faster in my life than I thought it was going to. Unfortunately, today's religions, that religious world don't know really anything because they've been deceived by and drink the wine of the harlot mother. 
is what the Bible calls her. Most people are preoccupied with other things. I'm so glad that Yahweh has such a great purpose on the earth. And I'm glad the earth isn't going to remain going the same in the direction it's going now. It seems like it's getting worse and worse. What's the value of such knowledge if we don't somehow grab it personally? And if we desire eternal life and inheritance upon the earth when Yahshua returns, there's something we have to do except just say, I believe. He's only going to reward those who have identified themselves with him in his death, burial, and resurrection. While most people turn to what the truth of what the demands of Yahshua was, it's not just a simple little bitty Sunday school thing. But I got to tell you, the wages of sin in my life cost me way more than anything I thought I had to give up for God. Not even be compared to. Scripture says, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and is safe. Listen, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth into it and is safe. What's strength? What's safe? The name of the Lord. Yahweh. This ain't some spooky thing, Yahweh. It's the whole concept of what God says and His purpose and plan. It's the covenant name that God gave to Israel through Moses and its significance guaranteeing the fulfillment of His purpose to that nation. And that's what He's going to continue to do. I'm going to do it quickly. I want to say this. True gospel, when identifying with the true name of God, the Bible guarantees immortality to those who bear it faithfully, which means you can't just get a bumper sticker that says Yahweh. Okay, I'm going to start calling God Yahweh now. The understanding of the scriptures and the promises of God that that reveals is confirmed in three covenants in the Bible. I mentioned them already, but I'm going to be specific. I had one guy tell me, you, you believe in the old covenant, don't you? That's old covenant. I said, this verse is what? New covenant. So I said, well, which old covenant are you talking about? The old one? So which old one? The real old one. The Old Testament. I said, dude, have you ever read the Bible? You ever read the old one? I said, is it the Adamic covenant? The Adenic covenant? The Noahic covenant? The Sinaitic covenant? The Davidic covenant? I started naming all these covenants that God made with people. For their time period, the Levitical covenant. That's why somebody said, hey, I tell you, we was at a, uh, one of our church dinners after we went out to one of the lakes and had a big picnic after church, and, and I, I had a tattoo. Actually, when I got my tattoo on this arm, I, I made the, the old cattle star banner. And so I had on a tank top. This lady in our church, she comes up there, man, she had a plate full of food. I mean, she had, and she had shrimp out the yin-yang. I mean, she had that shrimp up there. And she came over to me, and she said, Preacher, is that a real tattoo? I said, yeah, it's real. You know, the Bible says you can't have tattoos. I said, where does it say it? The Old, the Old Testament. I said, where? Well, I knew where it was in Leviticus. And I said, yeah, you're right. Right next to it, don't eat shrimp. <laughs> See, the Levitical, we're not bound under that law. We're not bound under those commandments. That was for those people at that time, for God doing something, teaching them a certain thing. Thank God we can eat shrimp. Huh? And barbecue. <laughs> I'll throw that in right quick. Maybe, maybe we'll go eat barbecue later. I don't know. All right. True gospel that we're required has these three. Three covenants. The Edenic, as in Eden. The Abrahamic and the Davidic. The first promises immortality. I'm going to give you life. Immortal life. Something Adam and Eve lost during sin. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that because they sinned, God wasn't going to let them live in their sin and have immortality. 
He put them outside the garden and he put a cherubim there with a flaming sword to forbid them the ability to live forever. Which means, well, I thought they were born with that. No. If he wouldn't let them come in and eat of the tree of life, forbidding them to live forever is what Genesis says. So what is the, what's the opposite of that? They're going to die. I think that's good news. Abraham was promised in his covenant an inheritance. He gave up and left his family and went and separated himself and entered the land that God showed him. So there you got the Edenic covenant says, I'm going to give you immortality. You don't have it. The Bible says you're mortal and you're going to have to, uh, uh, it's going to, immortality is going to overtake your mortality. Incorruption is going to overtake your corruption. 1 Corinthians 15. So then we've got immortality. If we get our well done, boom, we get, we get to live forever, a reward. Those that don't get it, get to die forever. And then Abrahamic covenant, I'm going to give you all this is yours. Wherever you put your foot on, where all of this What's that? The earth. And then Davidic covenant, as in David, who was king, who wanted to have everlasting glory and power. He wanted to be able to be king forever. But guess what? He couldn't be king forever. You know why? Because he didn't have immortality. Immortality, Edenic covenant. Abrahamic covenant, you shall inherit the earth. The Davidic covenant, you're going to rule and reign forever and ever with Christ. Final stages is set. I'm going to tell you what, whenever I see Iran in, in the mix, I perk up a little bit. Because I know what the Bible teaches about those days. And the reason I believe it is because it was right about everything else it predicted that we've talked about. The odds are the Bible has predicted things so accurately, you have to use protons and neutrons in order to to use a number that would give you the odds of whether it was something could come to pass like that or not. But let's face it, the major actors are ready, are already in their place. They're waiting for this time to come. I don't know if it's already began or it's about to begin, but I can tell you this, it's closer to coming than it was yesterday. The Middle East has dominated the attention of governments and world leaders the fact is, all prophecies in the Bible concerning that, except that event, has already come to pass. Every nation has been jockeyed in position to play out its role in the final moments of the history of this world and this age, I should say, before Yahshua steps in and intervenes. Our present world is well prepared. If there was ever a time that we should consider our personal relationship with these things, even though we're not around it in the middle of it, we only see it on the news, it's, you know, it's not really affects us. But we need to, how does this affect me personally? And how, how does my walk with Yahweh and Yahshua and the Ecclesia, how is that affecting me? Yahshua said this in Revelation 16, he said, Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that wa wa watcheth and keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked. And they see his shame, and he gathered them together in a place called Armageddon. When that moment comes, it's going to be too late for personal salvation. Today's the opportunity. You need to make a choice. Has Yahweh given you the gift of repentance? Has He offered to you the ability to see yourself as you really are and how He sees you in your sin and then to be able to see you how He sees you with His love? i got to tell you from my 
own experience, the truth has set me free in the sense and given me a happier, more meaningful life than I had before. And I'm going to get eternal life in the future. If I don't, it ain't going to be because I didn't try. He always gives us pro- purpose. He provides for us. I have intention in this life. He said, if I seek first something, then all these things are going to be added. It doesn't say, seek ye first going to heaven and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. He said, seek ye first his kingdom that's coming. It's all about that. The king, the kingdom, the promises, the covenants, all from Genesis all the way, pointing to one thing, the day, and that's all we, that's all we know. We only know it up to that time, and there will be a thousand years of peace. That's when they will rule and reign. I've been called a Jehovah Witness. Well, if you say that, you're ignorant. Look a little deeper. The time is rapidly approaching. I've got to tell you, the Bible predicted the last days that this woman and these tares that would be sown in God's pure garden, and they would rise up into ascendancy, and they would take over and mingle the seed. They would mix the linen and the wool, so to speak, and the spotted with the solid. The Bible calls this mystery Babylon. The Bible calls her a harlot, the great whore. She is one very beautiful, powerful, powerful, gifted, and appearing godly system. She loves to entertain her audiences and tickle their ears and soothe their consciences and like that, wetting that Kleenex. But the price and the admission to her show is not free. It will cost you your life. And it'll cost you the life of your loved ones. You got to come out of Babylon, man. Hear his voice today. I pray you have ears to hear. I come in his name, his will, as his mouth to speak to you and to warn you. I call you to come out of the bed that you have made with her or was made for you, as was in my case. I tell you most solemnly, unless you heed my voice and come out of that harlot system, you're going to die in your sins not knowing the truth. We came out of the harlot and right now we're trying to get the harlot out of us. I've been called a cult, a lunatic, a fanatic, a heretic, a false prophet. I've lost a lot of friends and that saddens me. But that don't sadden me as much as you that remain victims and prisoners of Babylon. Come out, baby. Bow your heads. Yahweh, I pray that this word will go beyond my